Well, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, I mean, golly, 4,000 acres, uh, that's a whole lot of room for getting out and doing some hunting. Is the whole 4,000 acres available for hunting, or do you have some of that set aside for the, the deer hunters and the turkey hunters? We So total of what we have permission and what we can hunt on, we've got about 17,000 acres that we hunt wow. on, and 4,000 of that. 4,000 of that is what is what we farm. So, yeah, we, so it's not really set aside for one or the other. We use it, it all intermingles together, and we do. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the earth. Wise Technologies presents... American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm Redbone Mike Grace. We have Wayne Locke and the man himself, Alex Rutledge, on the line. And uh, guys, welcome to another week of the American Roots Outdoors Radio. Yes, sir, man. We've got a great show lined up for everybody. I'm calling via phone as we're traveling back from Springfield, Missouri, and Wayne is on his phone at his farm. Yeah, and I'm in the studio. I am, yep. All right, guys, I want to start out today with, with a funny story. Are you ready? Uh, this, this yes, is, this, I'm ready. Yes. This, this is kind of a tragic story, but in hindsight, it's funny. On Sunday, um, I decided, and Miss Nina has been wanting me to build a trellis for her rose bushes out in the front yard. And I've been kind of struggling, you know, with what to do, what to build them with. You know, if you tried to buy lumber lately, you know, it would, it would cost $900 to buy enough oh, yeah. lumber to build a trellis. So I'm looking around the farm. Well, I had some old fence posts. I'm talking about wooden fence posts. I mean, we're talking ancient fence posts. And I thought, you know what? I will just build across the rose bushes. I will build what looks like a piece of an old wooden fence like an old wooden corral, and the rose bushes can grow up. It'll look really nice. She was gone and going to be gone most of the afternoon, so I thought, all right, this is perfect. It'll surprise her when she drives up the driveway. So uh, I didn't want to dig holes around the roses to put these wooden posts in the ground, so I just I decided I would drive a T-post, and I would just strap the the upright post to the T-post. So I'm driving the T-post, and I guess I hit something solid when I got down deep enough because that last throwdown of the T-post driver, and you guys know what those are. You know, they weigh about 150 pounds. <laughs> I throw that thing down. My hand slipped off and hit something solid. That T-post driver bounced straight back up in the air about eight feet and came down in first on top of my head. <laughs> we should have had it. I'm glad none of the neighbors yeah, were, were yeah, within. Yeah, but you didn't go to the hospital for that one. Uh, well, you know, I thought about that because I, I took my hat off after I finally kind of regained my senses and realized what happened. I took my hat off and I, I put my hand on top of my head because it hurt like the dickens. And I pulled my hand down and it was covered in blood and blood started running down my face. I could feel it running down the back of my neck. I thought, okay, I've got a big gash on top of my head where I can't see it. So I go in the house, I kind of wipe it off, and I get the blood stopped a little bit. And, of course, it was in a, in a spot where I couldn't see it. I thought, well, do I go somewhere and have somebody check it? I thought, I'll run down to the neighbors and have them take a look because it really hurt. Well, I go to get in my truck, and my car, see, my car keys, my truck keys, are in Nina's car, and she's gone. <laughs> going to be home for a couple hours. Uh, but like a trooper, you know what I did? 
I went out there and I finished building that trellis. <laughs> and I'm still okay today. But uh, uh, since since I've told this story on the radio a couple of times, I've had people offering to give me hard hats to wear when I'm driving T-Post from now on. So. Right. <laughs> but well, yeah. hey, i got a, a question. Yeah. I noticed I didn't see your picture on TikTok or Facebook wanting any sympathy like other people do. How many, how many of you noticed that about people? They'll cut their finger or do something, and they post it on Facebook. Oh, Isn't yeah. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of us— It's all about clicks. Yeah, well, a lot of us, you know, post more than we should. And, and I thought under the circumstances that uh, this would not be a good one to post. <laughs> Right. <laughs> be ridiculed. Yeah, what happened to your head, Redbone? A T-post. I mean, that thing, I'm not kidding you guys, that thing bounced straight up off of that T-post about eight feet in the air and just, boom, came straight down end first right on my head. I've never seen it. I've never had anything like that happen ever before. Well, they say you're yeah. supposed to use your head when you build something, but I don't think that's what they meant. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. But anyway, Alex, are the fish biting? The fish are biting, Redbone. Uh, I just got back from vacation, a mini vacation with my wife and daughter. We went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, my brother Jack went pre-fishing today for a few hours. He caught several. And uh, I'm going to go pre-fishing tomorrow and try to catch them. So I know they're biting. Uh, they're, they're biting on down baits and uh, some topwater baits. And we just got to... Uh, no weather at. These fish are moving right now in this hot weather with 90-degree weather. And you know where they go when they need oxygen. They go to moving water. Yep. And these fish are in the current. That's where they're at. So the river fishing bite is good. The lake bite's good. They're still catching them on the lakes at night and evenings and mornings on top water and some down baits and jerk baits, spinner baits, flukes. Uh, fish are biting. Yeah, I think I heard, Alex, that on the lakes right now with the, with the water temperatures rising, uh, most of the fish are in 20 to 25, maybe even 30 feet of water right now. Yes, they go there because of the thermocline and right. also the, the, the cooler there. Yeah, yeah. A, little, a little cooler water. But guys, yeah. with ladies, listeners, we've got a great show lined up. Uh, we want to talk a little bit more here before we go to a break, but uh, the tick problem in the Ozarks, we've got baby deer on the ground everywhere. We got baby turkeys hatching on the ground. Farmers are cutting hay, but we have a serious tick problem in the Midwest in the Ozarks, don't we, Wayne? Boy, you ain't kidding, Alex. Uh, as a lot of the listeners probably uh, who followed me on Facebook saw my post the other day, I had a baby fawn that I found in my back uh, eagle seed food plot back there, and uh, there was he was just loaded with ticks so bad that his eyes he couldn't even open the one eye. It was so infected, it had green pus and everything, and the other eye was uh, pretty bad. His ears were uh, totally loaded, and so it took me uh, probably a good 45 minutes just to try and detick him as much as I could, and then me and the wife cleaned his uh, eyes up with, uh, you know, uh, soapy water, and then uh, we put some ointment on his eyes and on his wounds and his ears and that because they were just bleeding like crazy from the ticks, but... Uh, He's, uh, we saw him three days later. He's still back there. Uh, Mom wasn't happy when I took him, but she went right up to him after I dropped him back off. So, But uh, that was three yeah, three fawns I had back there. All of them had ticks all over their face, but this was the only one that was uh, I was able to get a hold of because he was uh, you know, still a, kind of somewhat of a newborn. Yeah, last year, Linda Mallory and I, Linda uh, Mallory was on her way to town, and there was a deer in front of our driveway, a baby fawn. Its eyes was both matted shut and 
uh, swelled his eyes shut all over his ears, and uh, we took and cleaned it up and treated it and give it a shot of combiotics. But, you know, this, this is a serious problem. These deer tick numbers, I say deer tick numbers are terrible. My wise eye cameras are, are very, very clear photos, and the wise eye camera is a great way to monitor the deer herd on your farms. And I'm getting a lot of photos with deer uh, with ticks all on the crotch of their back, turn of their neck, and the back of their ears. It's terrible. So, Oh, yeah, they almost look like tumors for so many of them, right? Yeah, and their ears are swelling up from it. And, you know, people are saying, oh, man, you need to have sulfur blocks out, vitamin B, vitamin 12. Well, I've got some of the best mineral out there that you can have, and it's not keeping the ticks off of them right now. However, no, it's, yeah, there was a – back in the day, you could get vitamin – Vitarac 26, and I promise you, you could kill a deer on my farm, and you wouldn't find two ticks on it. I've got to try hmm. to find if they're still selling Vitarac 26 or not because – that was the greatest mineral supplement that I ever had, ever used on my farm. I'll have to check that out too. Right, so, Alex, I mean, if if I mean, could it be at the point that the people are putting mineral out and the deer just aren't going to it? I mean, could that be part of the issue? No, my pictures are showing uh, every mineral site I got; they're pounding it. Okay, but the pictures are so thick. I think <laughs> the wet springs we've had is created a tremendous tick problem yeah. parasite problem and uh we you know we, we i'm going to go buy some sulfur and also add to my my sites mm-hmm. with the mineral that i've got down right now they say sulfur will help keep ticks away and, yeah i you know, know they're hitting my mineral crazy my wise eye camera's back on on my mineral site and i'm getting you know 15 20 pictures a day all right, so Alex, real quick, uh, and, and we can continue this discussion, but we need to take a break here. Uh, if you would, uh, tell us who our guest is going to be today. Well, we've got a great show lined up for everybody, and it's a, it's a good friend of mine. Her name is Lexi Wettstein. Her dad and mom are great friends of mine. I started helping with them in the late 1990s, early 2000s, filming for Hunter Specialties back in the day, and the name of the their business is Rawhide Camp. And what we're going to do, we're going to – dissect and we're going to talk about the roots of rawhide camp and talk about their whitetail hunts and their turkey hunts and talk about lexi lexi is a very good softball player and she's engaged to be married i don't think she's got married yet but she'll be joining us everybody you're listening to american roots outdoors with alex rutledge and friends don't go away we will be right back with more after this hi everybody this is aaron tippin and you're listening to my old buddy alex rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Up a big old hill, year after year, got my hunting gear. 
Hornady Ammunition presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends on the Red Bull Mike Race. Alex joins us now with our guest for the program today. And Alex, tell us who you've got on the line with us. As promised, everybody, on the first segment of the show, I told you that we would have Miss Lexi Wettstein. She is a part owner and manager of Rawhide Camp in northern Kansas, north of Kansas. I've known this family for many years. And Lexi, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be on here. Yeah, Lexi, what's the weather doing in Highland, Kansas right now? What's what's um, well, right now you could probably scramble eggs on the sidewalk. It's pretty hot. <laughs> it's, it's real toasty out. Um, I think it's like 96 is what my truck said. Before I got home, it's, it's hot. Uh, the corn's growing. Need a little bit of rain, but corn's growing. That's good. Now, now let's talk about Rawhide Camp. Let's talk about you. Now, you are the daughter, one of the daughters of Dana and John Wettstein. And how old are you, if you don't mind the answer? I'm 23 years old, and yes, I am the oldest daughter of John and Dana. And there's five of us girls, all girls. And we, I've grown up here on, in northeast Kansas, left for college, and really, really never left. I left for college for two years, but... I'm I'm back. <laughs> There's no place like home, sis. No place like home. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was just telling the listeners in the first segment of the show, I've known your dad since the late 90s, early 2000s, and your mama. And uh, I've done some of my first video hunts there with you guys, and we become like family with each other. And uh, what I want to do on this show is, is talk about the birth and the roots of Rawhide Camp. Uh, tell us about the idea. How did the idea come up about creating Rawhide Camp? Yeah, so my dad, um, could. I asked him to join me tonight, and he's actually spraying. He's, we farm, too, so he's spraying the crops right now. And he started, he got the idea back in 96, so I wasn't born yet. Um he started from really nothing. Um, my, his his dad and my grandpa and his grandpa um, always farmed, and he had always said he wanted to um, farm and just a, a way to make a make a living and um, have fun and love love what he does. And so, um, from what he's told me, how it started is him his dad and him um bought some ground and they were going to farm it and they were looking looking for another way to pay the bills and they uh they started the hunting i think he said he started out with taking two guys and now we take 50 um for deer season and turkey season so we take about 100 guys um every year and it's alex has been with us from the beginning. I mean, yep. that, that's really how, how we started. His dad went to shows, and it's even before I can remember. <laughs> um, and he's just, it's, we've been doing this since 96, and it's really all I've ever known. Um, yep. I, I, this is all I know. <laughs> so I've always known, since, about, since I was about 12 years old, I've known that I wanted to come back and, 
and help run the family farm and do the hunting and is what I love. Yeah, so Lexi, so uh, that was going to be my question. Do you all still farm in addition to doing the guided hunts? Yes. So we, my dad farms about uh, 4,000 acres that we also hunt on too. So it's all connected. Um, Dad dad does a lot of the farming and then Aaron and I, my boyfriend, he, uh, we have started to take over the hunting and kind of, Dad's obviously helping us and, you know, teaching us more of the ropes, but he, he gets, we still farm. So he farms and we do this too. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, I mean, golly, 4,000 acres, uh, that's a whole lot of room for getting out and doing some hunting. Is the whole 4,000 acres available for hunting or do you have some of that set aside for the, the deer hunters and the turkey hunters? We, so total of what we have permission and what we can hunt on, we've got about 17,000 acres that we hunt on and 4,000 of that, 4,000 of that is what, is what we farm. So yeah, we, so it's not really set aside for one or the other. We use Mm -hmm. it, it all intermingles together and we do, we do it all as one really. I know that. Dad'll go be farming all day and then come up during hunting season. He'll be harvesting during deer season, and <laughs> when he's done it done at night, he'll come up. And if he's got guys that can can take his spot in the field, he'll he'll help with the hunting. It just really depends on who we've got available to help at any at whatever time of year it is. Wow, that's fantastic. And Alex, I think, you know, the kind of thing that, that some of the big farmers around our part of the country might want to take a look at. Now, and, and I take it y'all raise corn. Do you raise cattle as well? No, um, we just do corn and beans. And we, when I was little, my dad and grandpa um, ran cattle. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly when they, we got out of cattle, but um, I was still pretty young when we got completely out of cattle. So we used to do cattle, but now it's all just real crop. You know, Lexi, if I may ask up here, uh, I know you're a roots, the rawhide camp roots, the wet stein roots. Your family name was pretty pretty dominant in the running dog world. Your grandpa was a big hound breeder, and he had coyote and foxhounds. And uh, I think, John Toby, that's how you guys come up with the idea also. Uh, people would come and run hounds with you guys and buy hounds, et cetera, and you start taking people. So what a great story, Redbone. What a great story, listeners, of how they started their business. We're going to go do a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Lexi Wittstein of Rawhide Camp about the American roots of Rawhide Camp. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Wadden with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Eagle Seed presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Redbone Mike Crace. Alex is on the line along with uh, Lexi Westein from the Rawhide Camp in Kansas. And um, Alex, I know we want to uh, we want to continue here talking about the Rawhide Camp. But uh, how many times have you been out there and hunted yourself? Uh, 
Oh my goodness! If I couldn't count how many times I've been out there, uh, I've shot some nice deer and, and probably filmed some of the best turkey footage and deer footage that I've ever filmed in my career. I, I'll never forget. I can share story after story. I, I did. I do know this, Lexi. You may not know this, but I killed the two heaviest, tur- longest spurred turkeys in my life. There, uh, when I first started coming out there, the first guy weighed twenty six oh nine. And the second gobbler, and I killed him an hour apart, and both on thick, on 5569. The, the biggest turkey had three quarters spurs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a hook daddy right the, there. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, they're on the cutting and strutting video. Uh, one of the earlier videos that we've done, we first came out with cutting and strutting. Strut. All right, so, uh, Lexi, as we continue here, uh, you mentioned uh, y'all do about 100 hunters a year. Are you already booked for this fall? And and how did the word get out? I mean, uh, you know, I'm just interested in the whole thing. Are these local guys that come to hunt? Are they people coming from all over the country? You know, how did the word get out? Are they repeat hunters that keep coming back year after year? I mean, give us, give us a little background on, on kind of, you know, when hunters started coming and, and how long it took to get to your current numbers. Just tell people just all about it. Yeah. Um, so we take anywhere from 45 to 50 guys for deer season and turkey season. It honestly just depends on the year and what we what we feel is best for our numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, uh, we – I can't – I don't know. I don't remember a whole many years back just because I was going to school and everything um, wasn't as involved with it, you know, here and there when I could get out of school, but – um, yeah, so this year with, we've, to get the word out, like, um, dad started going to shows and met Alex, um, Dennis O'Dell has, was one of my dad, is still one of my dad's really good friends that my dad worked for and went to shows and he just went to shows and took business cards and, um, got word, really word of mouth, um, Alex mm-hmm. and, Matt Moret and a bunch of guys, there's a bunch of guys out there in the hunting industry that my dad is really good friends with and they, they came and hunted and um, got the word out. And up until this year, really, we have been booked um, and haven't had any openings. Um, but we act with COVID is one of the reasons. And to another reason, um, we actually picked up some more acreage. So, in that 17,000 acres, we picked up, this year we picked up another 3,500 acres to hunt. Um, so that's why we aren't completely booked this year. And I um, went to Kansas Draw. I don't know if a lot of listeners here will probably have heard that Kansas had the record year of applicants to put in for the state of Kansas. And so we had several guys that didn't didn't draw so now we have openings of guys hey if you know anybody that's got got a tag for unit 10 call us because we for for the first year that i can remember we have openings um to get guys in so it kansas did have a record year and the state of kansas was like no more tags we're out no normally they have a leftover leftover day where you can get on and try to get a leftover tag but there's no such thing this year. It was a crazy year, and um, they say that that COVID had a lot to do with that because um, a lot of the people are 
getting out more and, and, um, you know, going and hunting, which yeah. is great. Uh, just, yeah, and Alex, we've talked about that before, that, uh, you know, overall, the outdoor industry really benefited uh, from the pandemic because people were not working as much or working from home or laid off, and they really took to the outdoors in record numbers, and, and Lexi just kind of backing that up with the folks there at Rawhide. That's amazing and good for the industry, I think. Oh, it is, Redbone. It is, Lexi, if I may uh, share with everybody here. Uh, according to studies and statistics, the fishing industry is probably one of the strongest entities right now in the outdoor industry. The fishing industry exploded this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. People were getting out and getting on the water, taking their families, and, and as well as hunting. Hunting is stable, but uh, the increase from, from what I've learned and what I've heard from studies is that fishing is actually a huger, larger increase uh, than the hunting world. Yeah, and I and I think that's and I think yeah. that's due to the fact it's a lot easier to get to to get a fishing license and a fishing rod than it is to get a gun and to find a place exactly. to go. And you know, a lot of people just don't want guns around you know, for whatever reason, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Lexi, and I know we got a lot to talk about here. But uh, if someone is interested in coming to Rawhide, y'all got some openings, and they've got the tag. They just look y'all up on the internet and give you a call. Is that all there is to it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you got can uh our website is rawhidecampoutfitters.com and you can um find us on facebook too and here at the end i'd be glad to get um i give ever out my phone number and okay. you can give me a call or you get a hold of alex alex can can get you to the right people too just give me a call and yeah for sure it the a lot of outfitters that are in kansas that we've talked to and heard through our other hunters that have hunted with other outfitters um, in Kansas, it this draw is going this year is going to hurt outfitters. It's yeah. great that you know they're getting more people, but it also hurts outfitters because there's several outfitters that we lose spots because of we have spots and we um, can't fill those because nobody else, no one can get it. There's yeah. several guys not getting tagged. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with that, uh, Lexi. Uh, it is going to hurt some of the outfitters, but I do want to say this before we go to a break. Uh, I've been helping you guys a long time as we discussed throughout the show. Uh, some of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life has been uh, with Rawhide Camp, and I've shot some very nice bucks there with them. But I will want to tell everybody and warn everybody: uh, when you hunt with Rawhide, they have a minimum. Uh, gross minimum score of a deer, and, that, and the deer you shoot must be a, a mature deer. And if you do harvest the deer below their minimum, there is a penalty. And let's talk about that in the upcoming segment. We're close to a break, aren't we there, Redbone? Yeah, we, about a minute or so. And, and I guess, Alex, my question is, uh, because I know a lot of people that go to Kansas year in and year out, is, is the draw for a tag in Kansas something relatively new? Or have they always no, had a draw? It, it okay. has been, it has been a, as long as I can remember. Alex, you may remember farther back. Um, I'm, I know before we could give tags, like landowners could give tags, but I, I don't remember what year they switched to draw. Alex, do you? I, you know I should what? have I, asked my dad that. <laughs> I don't remember either, Lexi, but I remember there was a time you could buy them over the counter. But yeah, uh, if you could. 
yeah, we could apply, like, the landowner could apply for you to get a tag, and it was like a transfer tag type of deal. Um, but I was looking through old old stuff the other day, and I found where we did that. I just can't remember what year <laughs> it was. I was too young yeah. to, to recall. Real quick, real quick, our other segment here. Uh, what is the largest deer that's been harvested, gross store, with rawhide camp? Largest one... Goodness, I meant to ask my dad the exact. It was two. I want to say it was two ten, but I need to. I need to confirm that. Hmm. Over two hundred inches. It, so, it was over two hundred inches. For okay, we're going to talk in the bonus segment about some of the biggest deer harvested there. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors. We have special guest Lexi Westock, the Raw High Camp Manager and Guide, woman guide with Rawhide Camp. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Around your heart So you never gotta worry What the wind might do American Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you need an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevet at the Brevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Denali Rods presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm Red Bull Mike Grace. Alex Rutledge is with us along with Lexi Westine from the Rawhide Camp in Kansas. And uh, we've been talking about rawhide and, and we left off last segment talking about the uh, biggest deer ever killed. How many inches anyway? And about 210. Alex, have you ever killed one near 210 on the rawhide ranch? No, but I, no, but I had three or four encounters on film with 200-inch deer, and I've missed wow. two of the 200-inch deer. Knocked the hair out of the back of one, and the other one I shot right in front of it. Uh, I've had some encounters, and I can tell you, some. again, I want to say this, some of the best footage I've ever had filmed was with Rawhide Camp. And, and I'm going to say this, Lexi. The last time I was there, you see an average in your stand of a half a dozen bucks at that set that morning before lunch. Wow. Uh, is it better now than it was when I was there? I would say yes. You're going, um, you're going to see a, a mature deer. You're every year that, um, in the last five years, we've killed three two hundred, and in the last five years, every year we've killed at least a one eighty, um, and. If you don't get a shot at one, you're going to see one. <laughs> um, yeah. We've so yes, you're going. You're going to see a lot of deer. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, every time I pick a guy up, I, they see yeah. you know a hundred, hundred and thirty inch deer at least. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah. 
there's always you're always going to get a chance at a mature buck for sure. Let's talk um, about this real quick. Let's talk about this real quick. Let's paint a picture for everybody. What like there with Rawhide Camp? You're, you're nested along the Missouri River. You're in the northeast corner of the state of Kansas. Let's talk about the terrain and and talk about the type of stands that you've got on real quick. Yeah. So you think of Kansas and you think Kansas is flat. Think again because we're not flat. <laughs> not here anyway. We're we're right on the Missouri River. The lodge sits up on a hill and you you look at the Missouri River. Um, I get the opportunity to wake up to it every morning and sometimes when when new people come up, um, you you're like, Man, I'd probably take advantage of this view. Um and actually, my dad said it perfectly. The other, over turkey season, we had your friend Billy, Alex. He came up, and he was just in, amazed. He just was like, I just have to go outside and just sit. Because <laughs> I can't believe what this looks like. He just sat out there and just stared for, like, 15 minutes. He's like, I, I'm sorry. you you got to leave me be for a minute. <laughs> and it is. It's, it's breathtaking. Um, and, yeah, the we hang... Uh, ladder stands, lock-ons, we've got bank blinds. Um, we we really can accommodate anything. And I will mention, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we are bow only. Uh, we don't we don't take any rifle hunters. Um, it, it's something that Dad, Dad did years ago, and it's something that has um, worked well for us to help manage our herd and manage and uh, kill the big deer that we do. Yeah, that was going to be, that was gonna be my talk question. About, yeah, let's that was talk good. about this real quick. What is your minimum uh, size, inches of bucks that you require them to harvest there while hunting with rawhide? What's your minimum? Yes, so so an eight-pointer has to be 140, um, 140 inches or four years or older, and a 10-pointer is 160 or four years or older. Um, the age thing is at our discretion really uh it's something that we if we know the deer or yeah. just of what we know about how deer are around here and how they age yeah we want to get some quasi cameras in your camp with you we need to get you guys quasi because the wi sends pictures directly to your phones instantly and it also creates an algorithm called hunting that files the pictures for you in different categories. For example, if it's deer coming in in front of the camera, it's going to file all the pictures under a category called deer. And if you've got hogs, which you don't, it would file pictures under hogs. It'll file turkey pictures under turkey and other under other. And what it does, it creates an algorithm and collects the data, and it tells you exactly the time that you need to be there, the best time to be there to harvest yeah, and even go one step further than that, Alex, it will actually uh, tag individual deer. You can actually set it up to say, I want to see pictures of this deer, and it will put all the pictures of that, that deer into one folder. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, com. i got to get you guys hooked up with them. But, uh, you know, you guys have harvested some giant deer, and I think your program is rubbing off and, uh, on other outfitters across the country. And uh, shooting mature deer is really what it's all about for me. Uh, and I can understand what you're doing there. And that's why you have a, such a high success rate 
and you have a high return of return hunters. Yeah, I there's I mean, you're one of them, Alex. That yeah. um, has been been coming here since I was a baby. We've got we've got guys that they they come and they're like, man, I can't believe that you were in a high chair when I came here <laughs> when I first started yeah. hunting here, and it it became family. I mean, we talk to them, we Facebook friends, everything. Go and visit them. You know, send cards. It it really is. It's we're I don't family. Know if we're yeah. where we're there at, we're family, and if they're here, family. Yes, they are. I want you to paint a picture for everybody real quick. So they, you come into camp, you, you pay their balance of your hunt, you sign your release forms. Uh, let's talk about sitting around the, the table eating dinner. How does that paint a picture for everybody to an experience? When you all gather, and I'm going to start it, when we all gather to eat dinner or lunch, everybody rounds in a circle in the living room and we've done that with grandma when she was there and let's let's talk about that yeah so you get into camp and it's most of the time it's in the afternoon and you uh you can either go out and hunt or you can just hang out and relax and get settled in for the for the next morning and um we gather around the table in the evenings and we say say the blessing and we uh our cooks have the food prepared for you, and you go through the line, and everybody's just talking, and we've got a big, big, long table, and everyone just sits around the table and uh, gets full, and a lot of guys say they gain 10 pounds when they come and eat with us. <laughs> we do. We do. You get, you get bre- uh, breakfast. We normally just have cereal or cinnamon rolls, and lunch and, and supper is, is a full full meal deal it's uh fried chicken mashed potatoes roast um steak, steak. pork chops the it's all home cooking and it's it's my great my great grandma she and alex knows her very well oh. knew her very well and she she sets the sets the structure for how we eat around here and we don't go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> set the bar high. Right. She set the bar high. All right, so Alex, the only the only other thing I had, and we're about out of time here. Uh, Lexi, when someone books a hunt with you, do you hunt on your own or do you hunt with a guide? It just it just depends on deer season. Um, we've been mainly talking about deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will take you to your stand and uh, drop you off, pick you up. We don't typically sit with you. For deer, turkey, you can take somebody with you or go by yourself. Okay, cool. All right, Alex, we're about out of time for today. Yeah, I want to say uh, we've got a bonus segment coming up, and to listen to the bonus segment on a podcast, or an podcast carrier available, you've got to sign up and uh, register for that. And also we'll have a giveaway uh, at the end of every podcast. Please leave us a five-star review if you don't mind. Wayne Locke could not be on the show today because he is busy uh, working on something during his farm. And uh, Wayne goes into the hospital next Monday to go through open-heart surgery. Everybody yeah. keep him in prayers. And I do want to say this in closing also. Uh, if you've never hunted with Rawhide Camp, you've hunted with other outfitters, they will become family with you. If you obey their rules and, and respect their rules, uh, you'll be going back and forth there every year. I want to thank you, Lexi, for being on the radio part of the show. And, again, stay on the line with us after we hang up here to do the bonus segment. On the bonus segment, we're going to talk about the 
the three largest deer that you guys have ever harvested at Rawhide Camp. I want to thank everybody for listening to American Roots Outdoors again. And remember, share the outdoors with somebody that you love, a child, uh, your sister, your cousin, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, grandma, whoever. And remember our saying at American Roots, everybody, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Wide's Eye Technology presents American Roots Outdoors Radio, the podcast. And, of course, if you're listening to this, we thank you for getting on your podcast carrier and looking up this segment of the show. And, of course, Alex Rutledge is here. I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace, and we have Lexi Westine. We're going to continue discussion about Rawhide Camp. And, uh, Alex, uh, we wanted to talk about some of the biggest deer ever harvested at Rawhide Camp in Kansas. Yeah, we've got to make this really quick, Lexi. We've only got about six minutes left here. I want to talk about the three biggest deer you guys ever harvested there at Rawhide, as Redbone said. Let's start with the first 200-inch deer that you guys feel. Let's talk about how you outsmarted here and how you guys closed the deal with the first 200-inch deer. Yeah, so um, really it's just patterning, um, getting their pattern and uh, – they, a lot of times, they're probably watching you and you don't even know it. Yeah. Um, for steals that you just got, it's really the right place, the right time. You can put a hunter in where you think he is and he'll be on the camera uh, where the other stand is and no one's hunting. Um, so it's, it's really just a pattern. Um, sometimes sometimes you, won't, you won't get them. Um, but we had one this year that we thought we had down, and every time we thought we had him down, he was on the other side. So it's really, it's really just being at the right place at the right time. And um, we are very fortunate to have enough ground that we can um, go. You know, he he can't really get out of our way out of not necessarily always can get away from us. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just being in the right place at the right time. So you use trail cameras, and you guys do a lot of glassing, and, and uh, you use strategy, and, of course, you're being sent free, and you take every precaution that you can, but you try to figure these deer out by patterning. And I think if you guys will go to Wise Eye Smart Cams, you're going to see – a lot more bigger deer killed because it's going to do the scouting for you. And with Wise Eye, if I may give them a plug, and uh, they're one of our partner sponsors because I believe in their products. Any company that we promote, we believe in their products because they're proven. Uh, the quality of the pictures is tremendous. They're 12 megapixel, and they can also do video. And the thing is, if you've got several Wise Eyes out and you're hunting one, say, stand number one, and you got another camera on stand two, three, four, and five. It's going to tell you instantly that you're in the wrong stand. So if a deer's in the food plot and you got a camera set on the food plot, all you got to do is go to that slip in there, possibly while that deer's in that food plot. But it's do the scouting for you. You never have to go in 
to touch the cameras if you have the solar panels. The solar panels keep the, the cameras and batteries charged up for you. So I encourage you guys to check them out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But the other 200-inch deers that you killed, can you remember the exact scores and who killed those other two deer? The ones in the past five years that I told you about. Mm-hmm. Okay, five years. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so those are the three that, that I remember the best. Um, and the they were um, Kenny, the one, the one that I remember the most, that I have the most uh, history with, with not being so young, <laughs> I guess, is the, is the where I'm going with it. Um, we, this deer, uh, we patterned him every day, checked cameras, and this was before, before all the cell cameras came out. Um, checking cameras uh, really just, we thought we had him patterned, and then he ended up on another farm that we had and uh, had a guy see him at, like, 100 yards, and he was like, that's not even – he knew what deer it was, but he was like, there's no way. <laughs> it's just crazy what they do because yeah. they uh, they go they go a lot farther than you think they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they travel yeah, they a lot more than you think you do. So with, with him, it was um, – it was just being consistent and not over hunting. Uh, the biggest thing is you over hunt it and you might push the deer out. Um, so you have to be smart with it. You have to hunt the right wind. We are very, very particular on hunting the right wind. Um, you hunt the wrong wind one time and you have a deer of that caliber. He's probably going to move if he busts you. Um, yeah. He may come back, but it may be two weeks from now. Um, so it, it's hunting with the right wind and uh, seeing, you know, pattern, patterning the deer and being in the right place at the right time. So, Lexi, my, my, yeah, Lexi, my, question, yeah, my question here is, when you get a hunter into camp, do you have a hit list depending on where you're going to put that hunter uh, that day, I mean, do you do you have these deer on camera and say, "Look, here's the deer that you're after from the spot we're going to put you in the morning." Not, not all the. So, a lot of guys, yeah, we're not going to say, "Hey, this is this." Say, Alex is in camp. Alex, this is a deer hunting all week. We mm-hmm. don't, we don't do that. We, if we put you in a stand that we think the wind is best, and if that deer walks by, you shoot that deer. Um, yes, we'll have guys say, Hey, can you tell me what deer are in the area? Or if if you, we have no, we have a no kill list. We'll Mm -hmm. say, Hey, this deer's in the area. Please don't shoot this or don't shoot this deer. You're gonna, uh, you'll be penalized for it. Um, and we had that this year, this past season that we have a really, really good deer on camera, but he's only three years old and he's gonna be an awesome deer, but he needs to live. Um, he, he meets, he meets all of the, of the qualifications of score, but he doesn't meet the age that we want him to be. So we had guys that we told them, Hey, this is, don't shoot this deer. And he came in and they didn't shoot it. And they're like, we understand why you don't not having to shoot this deer. <laughs> um, so yeah, to answer your question, uh, about, about, we don't, we don't say, Hey, this is the deer hunting this week like this is the deer that hey right. might, right. might come by you today 
you guys have so many big deer there that you never know what deer is going to come through. Unless oh, for you sure. Okay. That for you. And you did say something at Redbone. She touched on something about bumping deer. That's why I encourage everybody to try wildlife. You don't have taking a chance of pushing deer out of there. You do all your scouting from your computer or your smartphone with these cameras, and it'll help you hold more All right, Alex, we are, we're out of time there, and, and your phone is, is starting to cut out quite a bit on us, but we are out of time, and we want to say uh, thanks to Lexi, uh, Lexi Westein. Uh, Lexi, if people you know, want to inquire more about Rawhide, give us, uh, you know, y'all have Facebook. I'm sure you have a website. Give us those addresses here before we wrap it up. Yeah, so Facebook is Rawhide Camp Outfitters, um, and just make sure it's the updated one. I can't, I lost uh, lost control of one of them, so uh, just look for the most updated uh, post. Okay. And uh, our website is rawhidecampoutfitters.com, and my phone number is 785 1020. You can shoot me a text. All my information and my dad's information are on our website and our Facebook um, and email. Uh, either way, however you want to get a hold of us, um, just those are those are our handles to be able to find all of our information and past pictures and video and things like that. All right, very good. So, folks, check that out if you've been listening to the uh, the podcast here or you listen to the radio show, and uh, you'll probably get excited about the possibilities of going to Rawhide. Now, uh, I'm assuming that the uh, uh, the uh, time frame for putting in for a tag for the draw is over for this year, correct? Yes, April 30th was the deadline. Yeah. Um, but if we can inquire about next year or if you have a tag and you're looking for a place to go. Yep. We, we've we got a spot for you, potentially. All right, very good. There you have it, folks. Raw Lexi Wettstein. Lexi, again, thanks for being on the show with Redbone and I. Again, we're, everybody keep Wayne Locke in your prayers. He's going through surgery Monday. And, Lexi, I look forward to being with you guys again, maybe next spring or next fall. And our saying is, Redbone. When your roots run Thank deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. Thank you, Lexi.